We back. Welcome into the Socks on Tap post game show. It's Johnny Nani and WI Steve right alongside me, bringing you White Sox post game content for On Tap Sportsnet. Steve, how you doing this fine afternoon? White Sox winner. Hey, yo, Jonathan. I'm doing a lot better today than we were on Monday, my friend. Yeah, yep, that's right. That's right, Steve. Yeah, the home opener was a great time, but there was baseball on the field that was not great baseball. And uh, luckily, White Sox turned that around, turned the fortunes around today. And we're going to talk all about that. A lot of news, not just in the game, obviously. Plenty to discuss from that. But, um, you know, some news injury-wise, um, health-wise uh, for some others. And, um, you know, uh, some, uh, some stuff to get to. But we also have some housekeeping to get to. And that's letting you know. Make sure. On Tap Sportsnet on YouTube. Place to go and find these shows, clips, shorts, all of that. Uh, go and subscribe so you don't miss any of it. And then follow us on social media as well. At Socks on Tap and at On Tap Sportsnet. And our little handles are right underneath our uh, nameplates here. All right. Um, that does it for that, Steve. Let's dive in. I want to rip the Band-Aid off. Start with this. I know we got to win, and I'm I am feeling good about that. But let's rip the bandaid off. We got our first in season IL stint announced today, and that's Eloy Menez going to the ten day IL uh, with a low grade left hamstring strain. What was your reaction here in this news? My reaction was, here we go. This is the one thing I wrote about and talked about in my preseason article, kind of breaking down the team, and a lot of people, some on this show, scoffed at my at my piece. But the health concerns relating to the the big three prospects that, that I've coined, Luis Robert Jr., Yoan Mancata, and Aloha Jimenez. And here we are now, five games into the season. As you alluded to, we've already got that first IL stand for Aloy. It's going to be out two to three weeks. Yeah, not even a week in, Steve. That's the kind of what, you know, chaps my ass a little bit about it. Because I was, you know, it was like a rarity. And it felt like actually good to have the whole, like, you know, core i guess together in everyday position players i know there are some pitchers on the fringe you know with william hendrick situation garrett crochet matt foster um all those guys were, were kind of everything was on the pitching side though right so coming in with all of your everyday position core players all the bats in the lineup wanted to see what they could do all together so now we're going to get like another one of these like charts where we got to break it down and have the blocks right filled in on the excel spreadsheet of okay well this is the one that eloy missed but who's going to be next and and on it goes. That's white. It's that's so White Sox. That, that's the way I view it. And like you said, here we go again with this. And Steve, when I first saw that, and I saw it, you know, uh, I was retroactive to Tuesday, so the fourth of April, and I was timing out like a ten day IL stint for that. And I was like, okay, well, Eloy like, could potentially return for that Orioles series, right, on April fourteenth, Friday, April fourteenth, was when that starts. And I was like, that's not too bad if you miss the rest of this, the Pirates series. It, it's you know, not ideal, but could be worse. Oh, yeah, guess what? It got worse because they said two to three weeks, like you mentioned there. So now we're looking at like closer to the end of the month and possibly when they're hitting a road trip to like Tampa and Canada. That that chaps my ass. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly not ideal. Um, not what you wanted to see, especially because there were so many people that were feeling good about where Eloy was at even though the power had manifested itself here to this point through through the first five games of the season um i think the one good thing about this or i guess the best case scenario is that they do have suitable capable major league ready replacements in gavin sheets and then recalling jake berger from triple a charlotte and this is one of the things i saw people talking about Towards the end of spring training, especially when Reese Hoskins went down with the Phillies, uh, some people within the fan base 
trying to kind of um, lighten the load a, a, a little bit and declutter some of the first base uh, corner DH guys saying that one of those players should be moved to the Phillies. And my thought was, no, we know Eloy is going to get hurt at some point. He's going to go down. You know, Yaz coming off of his injury issues a year ago. Um, Andrew Vaughn hasn't had a clean bill of health either, especially with the back injuries in spring training here. So why would you go and deplete an area where you have capable major league ready replacements that can come in and actually do the job that we've seen do the job? Right. Yeah. Uh, I think that's an important note to bring up there in our guys Sox side. Mike jumps in the comments is good thing. They have better DH options than they would realistic, you know, lefty field options, right field options, whatever. Um, there, I agree. Uh, kind of hints at Steve's point there. So um, one of those guys you just mentioned, Gavin Sheets uh, in the lineup today and uh, doing some damage. Hey, Steve, he's the top performer of the game. If you go and look at MLB.com's rap and box score and all that two for four, three RBIs, he gets it done, uh, helps lead the White Sox to a seven to three win. Obviously a lot of contributors in this one, but hey, uh, good for Tony's baby boy uh, showing up, for, you know, kind of first time. I mean, I know he did play that one game in Houston, but other than that, first uh, real run here. Anthony has to be a very proud papa today, uh, seeing his baby boy make big contribute uh, today in uh, in a situation where he was thrust yeah. into the into the lineup. So he's just got to be brimming ear to ear, ripping that diesel in uh, in the garage over at Casa de Marchese there. So. Uh, it just got to be just smiles all around Casa de Marquesi right now. Yeah, I'm sure it's a happy occasion, but it, it was good to see. And, you know, I, I like uh, Gavin Sheets' the whole approach to this thing, too, Steve, um, because he did uh, the uh, he was the guy who wore the headset after the game for NBC Sports Chicago. And he was talking a little bit and he had just said that, you know, I'm ready to step up. That, that's my role. Um, and, and I know what my role here on my team uh, on this team is. And I, I like that just because it shows a good team first mentality. And I feel like that was lacking a, a bit. Um, all throughout the clubhouse last year. So I like hearing that. Uh, I go to the Eddie O quote, what he always said, uh, you know, about role players, accept and execute. Well, looks like Gavin Sheets did that today. Then I also liked that he joked about him and Jake Berger kind of platooning split with this, with their bat, you know, the righty lefty stuff. He's like, yeah, well, together we make a pretty good player that got a good chuckle out of me. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point to see a guy have perspective on it and have the self-awareness and, you know, kind of make fun of himself a little bit. Um, that, that helps kind of lighten the mood a little bit for what could have been a little bit of a down clubhouse, knowing that Eloy is going to be gone for a couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, Gavin stepping up both on the field and then uh, on, on the mic, helping to keep things light and uh, going forward. Yeah, yeah, he's a good personality to have around, too. So that's another thing that kind of, you know, goes, uh, it's an intangible that you can't measure when you're talking about, oh, if we move this guy, how, how would it how would it affect clubhouse chemistry? I think that's another thing to just keep in mind uh, when, when you talk about, you know, moving on from players or what, what players' values are, what's their worth, um, obviously what you see on the field, but then goes beyond that. So uh, I think that speaks to it, um, what Gavin said after the game. Um, elsewhere, though, Steve, uh, talking about this game, it was Dylan Cease day and uh, not quite quite as sharp as he was on uh, opening day down in Houston. However, it's funny. I, I, I want to just say for White Sox fans, we do a lot of woe is me, a lot of pissing and moaning and bitching about things that happened to us. And like, but the Eloy thing, we just said, here we go again. This is what happens with all of us. Well, I think we should be very appreciative of Dylan C's because a down day for him. What does that look like? Um, you know, just a casual five innings, eight strikeouts, one hit, one earned run. Um, and what do you have walks wise here? Um, with issue five free passes, so there's that to clean up. We've known that's been an issue with him, but hey, you're talking about him. A guy said he felt a little under the weather last night and goes out and throws the outing together like that. 
we should be pretty damn thankful as White Sox fans. You know, that's one thing that Stephen Stone likes to talk about with starting pitchers. If you look at it over the course of a 10 start interval, the best of the best are really going to have five outings where they go out there and they have above average to top level stuff. You're going to have three where you're going to be average and then you're going to have two where you're just really fighting yourself i would say this was one of those two outings where he was really out there fighting himself did not have particularly good command of any of the secondary offerings today um working to try to get ahead of hitters with those pitches was really a struggle for him throughout the entirety of the game but to your point there when he got himself into some tough situations third inning bases loaded two outs and uh yes you know little little yes up there goes up there and just bites off a wicked front door slider to end the at-bat. Uh, had another situation where he was able to strike out Jock Peterson uh, with a couple of guys on in, in the fifth inning there with a breaking ball. So he really was able to bear down when he needed to and make a competitive pitch and execute when needed without his best stuff today. So that's the sign of a guy that really, I think, is continuing to mature here at the major league level. A shit from Dylan Steve. Um, I just you got to say that you go out and obviously uh, you're bleeding a little bit after a uh, ass kicking that you took uh, in your home opener. So to salvage some vibes, set the tone for this one uh, to get you back on track, get get the Southside faithful their first uh, victory um, of the season, you know, in person there. Um, I think that's big uh, to have your number one guy go out there and do that. So uh, well done by Cease uh, in those five innings that he tossed there. Um, Steve, I will, we'll keep it on the pitching front real quick here and uh, pretty much a clean outing for the bullpen, which has been not the case so much uh, early on in the season. Um, I know there was a couple of runs allowed by Joe Kelly and some garbage time there, but Hey, I like what I'm seeing when I see goose eggs, I go and look down this run earned run column here um, in the bullpen of the box score. And I see Jake Diekman, Aaron Bummer, Ronaldo Lopez, Jimmy Lambert, all with those goose eggs. That's a good sign. It is definitely a good sign. And I think one of the challenges that, Baseball fans face it, and I feel like us as Sox fans, you know, we we face this a lot more just because I think we perpetually are a little bit more uh, pessimistic uh, than, than some other fan bases can be just due to life experience of, of being a fan of this team. Um, recency bias in particular, and, and looking at small sample sizes here. So hearing a lot of people talk about, oh, well, this bullpen is, is an absolute disaster. They're terrible. It's a five-game sample size. If this was a five-game stretch in the middle of June and they're 10 games over 500, would it be annoying? Absolutely. But because this was the first five games of the season, you have nothing else from a sample size standpoint to really compare it to relative to the entirety of 162-game season. It gets magnified. So I think it's important to kind of keep that perspective a little bit. Yes, that five-game stretch there was not particularly great from the bullpen here, but that doesn't mean that that's what it's going to continue to be over the course of the remaining 156 games now here this season. Yeah, right. All right. Uh, while, while we're on bullpen here, they did get into a little bit of a tight spot um, in an inning that Aaron Bummer started, and it was, it was the seventh, yeah. Um, and then Reynaldo Lopez eventually came in and closed it down. But um, we got Mike asking Israelo hashtag back here. Uh, he made a big pitch in a big spot. But uh, talk, talk about these two guys uh, and a little bit of a jam that the White Sox did work themselves into. Yeah, you know, Aaron Bummer kind of doing what we've unfortunately seen far too often from him, getting himself in trouble, just going out there and nibbling 
putting on free base runners. Um, this has unfortunately been a problem through the first six games of the season outside of opening night. Pitchers going out there and issuing too many free passes. Bummer's been a culprit of this for a couple of years now. So what I think is going to be important, and we saw him, you know, we talked about Dylan Cease battling back and, and finding a way to get through adversity. Aaron Bummer, when he had that at bat against Michael Conforto, it was like he flipped a switch and went out there and just buried him and was able to get a pivotal second out right there and be able to get the ball to Ronaldo Lopez, who then came in again, control and command issues out of, out of Raylo once again here, but he was able to bear down when he needed to and get that pivotal strike out there to get out of that seventh inning scoreless. So they got themselves into some jams of their own doing, but they didn't cave under the pressure. They fought through it and they made and executed quality pitches when they absolutely had to. Yeah. Raylo with some nuts there. I, I, you know, walking Villar coming in because there was a matchup that uh, Griffo was trying to play there um, with a righty righty. Um, And then, you know, you got to face the lefty there. I thought that took some stones there, especially pumping heat, um, you know, where he did, but you know, he, he throws it with conviction as you like to say, and you see, what kind of results it can produce when you do that and you have confidence in yourself. And obviously he's just got some gas that he throws uh, that helps as well, but um, you got to have the mindset as well. So I, I like seeing Raylo there. Um, yes. So I said, Mike Raylo is hashtag back. I'm going to call it. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on because I like when you can go and shut a team down like that and then turn it around and basically put the game away right away after that. And that's what the Sox did in the bottom of the seventh uh, stream together. This was a crooked number, Steve, uh, three. We love crooked numbers. I love uh, crooked numbers. Yep. <laughs> we, hey, the first, you know, uh, three runs, uh, the largest uh, inning of the day for the White Sox, but uh, they got the bats going, hit parade going. Uh, Yohan Moncada coming up and a bases loaded spot. Hey, felt like we couldn't hit for shit with the bases loaded last year. Nice to see Yo-Yo uh, come through. Oh, yeah, Neon Moncada, excuse me. <laughs> Neon Moncada come through uh, with, with the, uh, in the big spot there. And then, uh, you know, line kept moving yeah you know one of the important things with, with this game and i saw this um in the stat column during pedro gafrol's post-game press conference for all the consternation that there has been about the struggles with runners in scoring position to start the year which has been a continuation of a problem from a year ago they were seven for 12 with runners in scoring position here today that's big that's something that we need to continue to see happening here if this team is going to um continue to play well here through the remainder of this month and kind of a, a little softer pocket in the schedule to start the season. So coming through being, dare I say opportunistic. Ooh, I like that word. I, so really, really nice to see that. I, I kind of want to talk a little bit bigger picture offensive yeah. approach today against, against Logan Webb um, and some of the other giants pitchers really saw great approach with this team, particularly the right-handed hitters, working the other way, going going to the mm. opposite field. Uh we saw Andrew Vaughn do that in the in the first inning. We saw Luis Jr. Oh, we got it. He landed it. Nailed it. Stuck the landing. Uh we saw we saw him do that a couple of times here today. That's you know on the back of an opposite field home run he had during the home opener on Monday. So I I talk about this, I think, pretty regularly with hitters. If they're in a slump and if they're not seeing the ball well, one of the signs that I like to look for, especially with right-handed power hitters, is if they start to work the ball the other way, kind of let the ball get a little bit deeper on them, 
see it, hit, hit the bat a little bit, take it that other way, and then you can really start to turn and burn once you get that comfort level back on here. So Luis Robert Jr. might be getting ready to take off here a little bit offensively, uh, which would be a very positive sign. But again, we saw that with Andrew Vaughn. We saw it with Elvis Andrus, Hanser Alberto uh, doing it. And then even the left-handed hitters, uh, Anthony's baby boy, Gavin Sheets, and Yohan Mankata really playing pull side with that. And a lot of that was just a function of the tailing action uh, that is a little more glove side with Logan Webb and his pitch mix that he offers up there today. So really great offensive approach from the team today. Yeah, I liked it. And I think it's, you know, the turning around for Luis Robert. I like to see that uh, today, three for four uh, with double uh, run batted in, uh, two runs scored himself. So um, that's, you know, stringing together good games here, obviously based from uh, Sunday onward. Um, he, he's been swinging a hot stick after kind of flailing and everything right early on in those first few games down in Houston. So good to see uh, some of these guys bounce back. Multi-hit performances are cool and tough. We all know that uh, a bunch of guys there, Robert Benintendi, Mancata, um, Gavin Sheets, uh, you know, all, all those guys, multiple hits. And then, hey, shout out Elvis Andrews, too. 2,000 career hits. Um, a veteran guy around the team, uh, been around the league a long time, but he provides some good leadership here. Good to see him uh, reach this milestone. Yeah, you know, that is something that, that's pretty special. And no matter how you want to slice it, you do something 2,000 times at the major league level. That's pretty damn special. I don't even care if it's 2,000 times striking out as a hitter. That means you were good enough to be in the league for an extended period of time to do something 2000 times. That's something that is pretty praiseworthy if we're being honest with ourselves. And I, he was what five or six guys active in the league right now with 2000 plus hits. That's that's pretty significant accomplishment. Yeah. I love that. He said that he gives all of those milestone baseballs to his mom. So she's holding on to, you know, one, uh, 500, you know, thousand, uh, 1500 and now she's got 2000 uh, to add to that mantle or trophy case wherever she keeps it so um miss andrews will enjoy that for sure um hey we're uh you know talking about this um anything else from the game if not we got another uh, really cool milestone moment talk about liam hendrix baby ringing the bell yeah i and that's obviously something that's a little bit bigger than baseball liam hendrix had his final um chemo treatment today for his um recovery plan from being diagnosed with non-Hoskins lymphoma uh, back five months ago. So saw him ringing the bell on uh, Sox social media pages here today. He took to Instagram, put out an individualized message to fans, uh, you know, thanking them for their support, obviously his family, his wife for being there and supporting him throughout all of this. Uh, so that's really significant. I don't think anybody really expected anything less out of Liam, just knowing the, and I say this in the most positive way possible, knowing the, the psychopath that he is out there on the mound and the competitor that he is, uh, you knew he was going to fight through that and he was going to just kick its living ass. And he did that. Yeah, he did that 100%. It was excellent to see him uh, doing that. And uh, great to see that. I love that video. That that was honestly probably the loudest I cheered on opening day uh, when Liam showed up, popped up on the big board um, and announced, you know, uh, he was about to have that last treatment and, uh, you know, uh, start moving forward and said, play ball. So that, that got the juices flowing for me. Um, good to see him follow up with that uh, and ring the bell today uh, on social media. So um, cool and tough. Hashtag fuck cancer. Hashtag ring the bell. Love it. Um, I love the comment section here. Make sure you join on YouTube uh, so you can get get your take in like that. All right, um, Steve, um, as we uh, trudge forward here, uh, we're looking at finale of the series. Uh, White Sox will be looking to win uh, their first series of the year. Uh, take one from the Giants and it'll be Lance Linday Thursday and you and I get to go and take it all in uh, in person. Looking forward to it. Source. 
Hashtag confirmed. It's going to be a guts and nuts kind of day. The big bastard on the mound. I cannot fucking wait. It's time to go out there and win a damn series. Going to be going out there against Alex Wood for the Giants. Left-handed pitcher. So I think we might see a little bit of a different lineup tomorrow from the Sox. Uh, trying to play some of the platoon advantages. One of the things Pedro Grafol talked about when constructing this roster during the spring was finding guys that do one thing particularly well. Some of the guys that are here now, uh, Hans or Alberto being, being a guy that has historically hit left-handed pitching pretty well, about a 109 WRC plus for his career recently recalled Jake Berger guy that has mashed left-handed pitching. And I'm just going to go ahead and put this out there right now. Mr. Jake Berger will be my pick to click for tomorrow's action. Nope. I love it. I love it. Yeah. He's back. Hashtag back from Charlotte. And it was only like a three game stint there, but Hey, uh, that's what happens when injuries arise. So uh, you got the call. I like that pick there, uh, man. Uh, I'm so excited to see Lance Lynn. I'm trying to think about the lineup here um, it, with, uh, let's see with, with the righties who we going with. I think Sebi will be in. I would imagine Sebi gets some play here, right? Um, after he has, uh, you get in the, you know, um, first couple here. Uh, matchup advantage too there. I'll, I'll go with Subby. He had a bomb uh, when he was in and got his first start down in Houston. So I'm going to ride with that, Steve. And I, well, there was one thing that I kind of raced past that I do want to go back to <laughs> and talk about from today's game. And that's Tim Anderson's ejection. And if you didn't see it, it was a situation where in his at-bat, um, was it in the third inning, he tried to call for timeout and was trying to look back at the umpire and call timeout and use his disengagement. Umpire didn't grant it, which he can do. He doesn't have to acknowledge it, right? Um, so then Tim's like kind of st- even stepped out when the pitch comes in, strikeout, goes back to the dugout. He does say something to the umpire, like making like eye contact, something about that to, you know, figure it out for the next time so he can actually get his timeout. Um, so it wasn't on that. Luis Robert comes up and has questionable pitches called, strikes against him, eventually strikes out, and there's some drawing going back and forth from the dugout. Couldn't really tell what it was at first from the broadcast. And then um, you see the up go over DJ Rayburn and give the heave ho to Tim. And he gets really animated on the top step. And Tim was kind of making the case that he was yelling at um, uh, the pitcher for the Giants and not at the ump. But obviously it was taken that way. So um, thoughts on this. And is the league going to be, you know, dense enough to suspend Tim Anderson? I mean, look, the the league does a lot of stupid shit, so you can't put anything past them at this point. But um, you, you saw it, and there was actually a clip that was going around from uh, the Giants broadcast that actually showed Anderson talking to DJ Reber. He says, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to that motherfucker over there. Yep, that's exactly what he said. I got the transcript here. Yep. So, um, motherfucker right there. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 then, and then he proceeds to call, to call him soft. So, you know... Uh, Again, you never really know what the league is going to do with these types of things. Um, the ump shows are being much more prevalent these days than the league kind of following up and, and siding with the umpires in too many of these instances. This is something that does not warrant any kind of a suspension or a fine in my baseball world anyway. But the baseball world I live in and the one that Rob Manfred live in definitely are not the same. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really hoping it's not, I, I kind of uh, didn't even think about it uh, until our guy Sox insane tweeted out um, that, that, you know, please don't spend Tim Anderson, uh, something along those lines. I was like, Oh shit, that's right. They've done that for dumbass stuff in the past. Like what, like a full, but just clearing ball brawl. I remember in Detroit, 
and it's oh yeah he made contact with the umpire it's like okay well everybody was being pushed back then so they've done it for that so um you know just keep an eye on that or or the the original bat toss when he was uh, right, literally yeah, trying to fire yeah. up his own team he's yelling in the direction of his dugout but he gets ejected for that Ooh, steve for commish did you get any interest in that you know <laughs> Have your, people, sport. Have, have your people get in touch with my people here. I think we can make the price work. <laughs> All right. All right. That about does it for this edition of Socks on Tap. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, make sure, once again, you're subscribed on Tap Sportsnet on YouTube. Uh, go hit the subscribe button. Uh, make sure you jump in the comment section so we can have a discussion, feature all of your comments live on the show. And as always, follow on social media at Socks on Tap, at on Tap Sportsnet. Our handles are right here below us. Steve, can't wait to be out at the ballpark with you tomorrow. Until next time, White Sox forever. White Sox for life.